Tapes. The most listened to radio show on the planet. Even the other stations are tuned in too. Hi, this is Jeff Joyner. You might know me as Coaster Dad or Logan's Dad from Coaster Kids. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everyone? My name is Clint Novak, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Hey, this is Jeff Tucker, host of the podcast 91 Reasons and the creator of the YouTube channel Tucker Time. And you're listening to something that's better than both of those, the Coaster Challenge Podcast. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas, everybody, from the Coaster Challenge Podcast. And here are your hosts, David Cantu and Jenna Gazelle. Hey, how's it going, Jenna? Great. How's it going, Dave? Going good, going good. Happy Christmas Eve. Happy Christmas Eve. Isn't it supposed to be Merry Christmas? <laughs> Yeah, Christmas is tomorrow, but we're here in the studio on this Christmas Eve because we've got very special, very special episode for everybody today. We've got special guests, we've got special clips. I will say, I really like to take the opportunity because I want to thank everybody out there who's been listening, especially our international listeners. We've had a lot of listeners from all over the world that have been listening to the Coaster Challenge this year since we launched this back in uh, April of this year. And uh, I just want to take a shout out to all my Canadian listeners to all my listeners in Europe and the UK and Italy and and Germany. Also want to thank we just started getting listeners in Australia so all those that are listening in Australia we love you out there. Hope you keep on listening and supporting us. And God, Bangladesh, Jen I mean we're getting Mexico we're getting Brazil and especially here in the United States. The United States we are really like getting listeners from from all 50 states. It's really amazing and I just want to thank all you guys out there. You guys have really brought us the greatest Christmas gift of all is just showing your guys' support and love for us. And I just want to thank you for this holiday season. Thank you all. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy holidays. Yes, just happy holidays and all. So I But we've got a very special guest for you guys all today. Uh, We've got a father and son on today named Colin and Bill. And Colin is a young coaster enthusiast, but he's also his passion is in photography. And he's an autistic uh, enthusiast. And he just gets through his passions through photography. And he He's another inspiration, Jen, where he has found a focal passion and it's really helping him with his life. It's amazing. Yeah. Iva is standing by with Colin and Bill. But first, we're going to do a very special Christmas edition of the YouTube Highlight Clip Clip of of the the Week. week. Ho, 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 ho. It's a YouTube Highlight Clip of the Week Christmas edition. Ho, 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 ho. All right, so in this week's YouTube highlight clip of the week, you know, I will say when it comes to Christmas time, everyone always wonders what is the greatest gift they all. Now, a lot of people love getting money. They love getting jewelry. They love getting electronic devices like the newest iPhone or the newest Android or the biggest flat screen TV. But, you know, there are some people in this world that get even special gifts. There is a YouTube clip that Jen and I just saw recently. This one put tears in both our eyes because there are 
are people out there that have serious conditions, health conditions, or they were born with certain conditions. But the one thing that really touched us in this YouTube clip is that there was a, a kid named Austin. He is colorblind. This YouTube video, his friends, his family, a lot of them came together and they kind of did this unique trick on him. Surprise. Like, yeah, surprise. Him. They brought him out to see his friend's brand new car. Inside the car, they were all together, all his closest friends, and they gave him this Christmas card. And in the Christmas card had all the people because they had purchased him the greatest gift of all. They have these colorblind glasses where those who are colorblind, these sunglasses can actually help correct their eyes to be able to see actual colors. And they have different types for those that have different colorblind situations. They all These glasses are not cheap, folks. These glasses range from $400 and up. So it's not like you can walk into the nearest sunglass store and ask for colorblind glasses. These are specially made by a special company that you have to order online and they are minimum $400 so it's not like a lot of people out there who are colorblind can afford to put out that kind of money you know Jen so right. it's just but I will say that they all pitched in money bought him these glasses they took him out into the town square where it's all decorated for Christmas all these Christmas lights and everything they had him put those glasses on and my god Jen the reaction he his, got his, he was in complete awe. I mean, he, I mean, they, before they even took him to, like, where all the Christmas decorations were, he was putting on the glasses, and he was, like, kind of tripping out on how, what his friends looked like, because he could only see certain colors. So, for him, it was like that, that's what you look like? That's the color you are? And it was, it was, it's cute, because it was just like, his reaction was just like, he was fascinated by the fire. They were were at a, they were at a fire pit, and he was just staring at the flames, because of the color that the fire gives but he, he they even went into a laser tag where he works and was able to see everything in the black light with the neon colors just like what i've seen now, i've seen some of these videos in the past where he got so emotional because he's seeing something for the very first time in his life something that he wasn't able to see for 18 years yeah he was 18 years old he can he couldn't see the color red yellow and green so he thought a red light at an intersection was green and it was like like it was amazing and they were showing on the video what kind of colors he was seeing in a picture and i don't i can only imagine jen what it can, i can't imagine what it'd be like to be colorblind because you know just but just his reaction and how emotional he got i will tell you for christmas that is probably the greatest gift you could ever give somebody for Christmas is getting him something that he has never experienced in his life and for him to be able to see colors that was just amazing I think that was the most brilliant thing that his friends and family did for him that is something he will never forget he will never forget all the people that did that for him he's going to have extra love for those people but that is the really like the meaning of Christmas folks the meaning of it's about community it's about family and friends coming together and just doing something something special for each other and that right there is a testament of just what the meaning of the christmas spirit is all about and i really hope everyone out there really takes that christmas spirit especially what we went through with COVID last year it is time to really come together and 
put it's, put differences it's an aside. Awakening. Yeah, everybody yeah. needs to kind of wake up from the everyday rush and greed of like I need this, I need that. Yeah, and also I think it is time when the Christmas season comes. A lot of animosity against other people and stuff. It is time to bring people together. It's time to let bygones be bygones and just. It's a time to it's love. Time, it's time for love. Time for forgiveness, and it's time to start going up to people and just start saying, you know what, I'm sorry. You know, life is too important. You know, we shouldn't be doing, we shouldn't be mad at each other and stuff like that. So, you know, Christmas this year, if anyone wants to give a gift out there, gift of love, guys. Care for somebody. Do something special for somebody out there. If you know somebody out there that has never seen anything in their life, try to help make their goal possible. Make their dream a reality. So, but you know what? This was an excellent YouTube highlight Highlight clip clip of of the the week. week. Ho, 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 ho. It's a YouTube highlight Clip of the week, Christmas edition. All right, so Iva is standing by today with our very special guests in the house. We've got Colin and Bill here today. We've got a very special interview with them, guys. So take it away, Iva. Thank you, David and Jenna. Hello, Coaster Challenge listeners. This is Iva, your co-producer of the Midwest. For today's episode, our special guest, Colin, experiences theme parks through the eye of photography. With the support of his father, Bill, this dynamic duo travel around parks and view them together in a special light. Please welcome to the podcast Colin and Bill. Hello thank you for having me. Thank you for being a part of our podcast today Colin. Yeah so I have autism and my dad supports me. It's basically we go to amusement parks in our area and we both have a fun time. Usually it's my dad who doesn't ride the coasters and he sometimes carries my camera bag around when I ride the coasters. Basically he's a very nice support person for me. It's very great to be on here. Well we thank you again for taking the time you and your father to be here today and first of all I am so thrilled that you uh, made the decision to come here. You had told me when we just met just recently at King's Dominion that you had been to the Keys to the Kingdom event last year in 2020 and that's how we originally met. So I'm glad that we were able, so I was definitely able to, glad that we were able to reconnect this year and that you were happy to become a guest on the podcast today. Yeah, when we actually met at QC Kingdom, you actually gave me a little button with your YouTube channel's logo. So I had that on my camera bag while I was at the event. Yeah, it was amazing being able to have somebody that remembered me from that event And I wish you were able to come back this year, but you know what? Next year's going to be another year. All right. Are you and your dad both ready to answer some questions? Yep, we are. All right. Let's let's get this party rolling here. Your first question then is, what was your first coaster? We'll start off with you, Colin. Okay, so I don't actually remember the first coaster I rode in my lifetime. I don't really tend to remember that kind of stuff. But I remember around 2010-ish, I went to Worlds of Fun with my dad and I rode the Prowler coaster. Do you remember your first coaster, Dad? I grew up in Florida, so it was probably Space Mountain, if I had to guess. All right. Those are both good coasters, one of which I just rode last year, which was Prowler. Because I love Worlds of Fun, by the way. That's one of my favorite Cedar Fair parks. That park is beautiful. And one of my favorite coasters is there too, which is Mamba. 
I love Mamba. I love my Morgan coasters. Yeah, I would rather ride Mamba or Steel Force any day compared to Magnum at my home park of Cedar Point. Wow, your home park is Cedar Point? That's interesting. You're lucky. Yeah, my home park is Cedar Point. And yeah, I'm not a big fan of Magnum, but I wish I would have Prowler or a Mamba or a Steel Force or a Wild Thing in my backyard. I'm sorry, Cedar Point. And Space Mountain, I haven't been on Space Mountain in about seven years. That's always a good nostalgia ride. Yeah, those classic ones definitely are. Now, what was your favorite part about Space Mountain, Bill? Uh, probably just it's one of the dark rides. Having it off and then as you're going, it's a slow coaster, but being in the dark, it kind of enhances the thrill a little bit. And you with the glow in the dark kind of sides and everything as you're as you're in the dark, you can see other ones that are passing. Uh, so I always found that interesting. Yeah, even access through the people mover at Disney, you can see them still moving, even though it's in the dark. Yeah, you know, I wish that was one thing that a lot of the theme parks had were dark rides and not many of them do. I mean, especially, you know, my home park is your point. They took their dark ride out, which was disaster transports. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that one. Yeah, it was, it was a, a nice bobsled. I mean, uh, ride. Have you ridden Avalanche, I'm assuming, at Kings Dominion? Actually, no, we just moved to Virginia last year while all the parks were closed and Avalanche is like one of the few coasters at Kings Dominion that's completely closed for the entire 2021 season. So that's kind of disappointing, really. But I've heard of Disaster Transport. Welcome to Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love Avalanche. It's one of my my favorite and our daughter's favorite coaster to ride to. She's eight and that was one of her first coasters she rode was Avalanche. She loves it, by the way. So how long have you been riding coasters, you two? I think around the time I rode Prowler was when I first started really getting into roller coasters. Do you remember that? That's the first one that I can remember him doing. And and for me, I'm I'm not the the, the coaster enthusiast per se. I'm more of the enabler for him. But yeah, Prowler and, and that region is about when I, I recall him first starting to really get into it. So Colin, do you know what your coaster count is? Um, I've been... Counting all my coaster credits ever since about January 1st of 2017, I think I'm at 27 right now. 27, okay. Yeah, I'm just really starting to get into the coasters. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. You know, some people start early and some people, you know, like what your dad said, aren't as a big of enthusiasts and, you know, they don't even count coaster credits, but, you know, you'll get up there. Trust me, I'm not much, you know, I'm not high up in coaster counts either. So out of all the coasters, if you rode, what's the one coaster that has scared you the most? Well, I used to be absolutely scared of just about every roller coaster that I had in version. When I went to World of Fun with my dad, I was actually scared of the boomerang coaster and I wouldn't even go on that coaster. <laughs> I remember that my fear of inverting coasters started to fade away when I went on something. I think it was called quote unquote astronaut training at a Wonderworks location. It was like a human gyroscope. It would flip you upside down over and over. And that was when I started to lose my fear of inversions. I know it's not really a coaster, but I think the first coaster that I rode that had an inversion was, I think it was Manta at SeaWorld Orlando. I visited the park in 2015. I remember being scared about riding that one. And Manta is their flyer, I believe. Yes, it is. Okay, Bill, so I have a question for you then. What made you 
encourage or how did you encourage Colin to start going on coasters with inversions? What did you say to him to have him, you know, build up his courage? So it's kind of interesting how it went about. He uh, he he had the fear, uh, like you said, of anything that would go inverted uh, for quite a while. It, it was one of those ones where not pressuring him to to get on a ride or anything like that. But he uh, really on his own, he kind of incrementally became a little bit braver and braver as to what he was wanting to do and realize that it was fun. Everything from water slides and and some more basic rides, which obviously don't have inversions, but might be, you know, really high up in the air. Uh, and then with through no real prodding or anything like that, he just decided that, hey, I'm going to do it. And when when he makes a decision that it's something he wants to do, expanding his boundaries, we just try to support it and say, OK, well, let's go try it out. Now, are you normally right beside him when he's riding after he starts facing those fears? Initially, when he was going on uh, roller coasters, I was I would always ride every single one with him. And now he's at the point where he's, he's outpacing me. And, uh, you know, it, when, when we're at places like King's Dominion, which is where we met you, you can't have anything on you. So when he's going with cameras and other stuff like that, you're putting it into the lockers and other stuff like that creates a little bit of a logistical issue, especially with a larger bag for the most part in most places, I'll just kind of hang on to the equipment and he's good to go on his own. So Colin, how were you feeling when you started approaching the station for Manta? Well, it's been six years, but I think the anticipation of going upside down on a coaster for your first time made me feel slightly worried as I was walking through the station. Was that your first flyer coaster that you'd ever ridden at that point? I think so, yes. I know I've only ridden three of all the flyers that, have been, that are out there. Actually, no, four, sorry. I've ridden Manta, Nighthawk, Firehawk. And then I've also written Superman at Six Flags Great America. Manta is by far my favorite flyer. I love how you go over the water at SeaWorld and how they have like the jets coming up at you and everything. That is my favorite flyer coaster and the smoothest too, I might add. I remember it being quite smooth. And, and one of the things with him, a, a lot of times the queue and everything that can lead you to an individual ride or the length of the queue or the length of the wait and everything. I, th I think for the most part, we find the anticipation could be a lot more fearful as you're getting to the ride than once he gets on the ride and realizes, hey, this isn't, this really isn't too bad. Do you normally like to give him an encouraging pep talk as you're going through the queue then, Bill? Early on, it would be more or less just letting him know that, hey, it's, you know, it, it's good. His, his fears by the time it came to uh, when he's really started riding it was overnight. It was, I'm scared, I'm scared, and then let's do every single one that we can possibly find. So it didn't really require a lot of uh, encouragement. Once he, it the, the encouragement was leading up to getting him to really get beyond the phobia that he would have had for any kind of action type of ride or dark ride or anything that would come with any sense of real apprehension. But once he made the decision, then there, that was all it took. He, he, there's no fear for him anymore at all. Now, was it just the inversions alone that made you nervous about riding Manta or was there other aspects about it, like it being a flyer coaster that made you apprehensible about riding it? Well, it was pretty much just the inversions as far as I can remember. <laughs> you know, David started off that way too. He was very afraid of riding inverted roller coasters and with him, 
some support of his friends, he finally overcame his one coaster, which was California Screaming, that Ooh. he was able to finally not chicken out on and ride. Yeah, I love launch coasters as well. Those ones are great. It was the first launch coaster I've ever written, and it's what Coaster Challenge was born as was after I got off of California Screaming. But what turned me into an enthusiast was the Accelerator at Knott's Berry Farm, which is like a sister coaster to Top Throw Dragster at Cedar Point, except it's a lot shorter. It's only like 150 foot or under 200 foot top hat. And where Top Throw Dragster is 450 <laughs> top hat. But yeah, yeah, California Screaming, it was my first time with a launch coaster with a, a loop really broke my fears and really made an impact in my life, which is something that uh, what we're doing today here on the podcast, which is amazing. So how did you feel then, Colin, once you got off of Manta? It felt like I had some sort of weight lifted off of me. I was extremely ecstatic and happy. Literally, words can't describe how great it felt to have broken that fear that lasted for so long. So did you go and go right back around and get in line again for it? I think so, yeah. Now, how did writing Manta impact your life after writing it? Well, the experience changed my life in the way in the way that it allowed me to ride so many more coasters. Because most of my favorite roller coasters have inversions. And most new coasters these days being installed at amusement parks tend to have inversions. So if that fear stuck with me, I wouldn't be interested in amusement parks like I am right now. So does your favorite your favorite coaster does have an inversion on it? Yep. We'll have to get, we'll have to get that question just a little bit then. So out of all the coasters that you've been on or to any of the theme parks, do you have a crazy moment that you'd like to share with us? Oh, I definitely do. So a month before I attended the 2020 Keys to the Kingdom event, I visited Six Flags America in Maryland for the first and probably only time. I rode Batwing with my dad after finding out that the ride of Steel Coaster was broken down at the time. But when I got back to the station after riding it, I noticed the screen on my smartwatch detached from it and was dangling off it by a ribbon cable. So I remember yelling, holy crap, when I noticed that. And that ended up being the reason why I left the park a little earlier than I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, I just visited America for the first time, uh, actually the same weekend that I met you. And unfortunately, Batwing was not one I got on because the line was so long for that coaster. It was over an hour long. And I'm like, yeah, I just I don't know if I want to wait. Wow. It was like 25 ish minutes when we went to the park yeah that's just one of my rules of thumbs i don't like waiting long amounts of time for coasters i hate to say that and with me flyers just are not comfortable me being a female because of the way the harness is so i wasn't too upset to skip that ride yeah i think dad wasn't my dad wasn't really very fond of the restraints on batwing either so with the whole six flags america experience it, it was probably the worst of the, the the experiences we've had with an individual park and everything. And at, in their defense, it was going through some growing pains as well, because it was still COVID timeframe. They opened it up long enough with social distancing, not terribly busy, but the lines and the queues were really, really long as a result of uh, having to sanitize everything. And the, the young people that were working there were still figuring it out. They didn't have the management in place to really streamline the sanitation that was required in order to even keep the place open. So there was just a lot of, a lot of pain just to get on rides and keep them and keep them going. 
Yeah, I was really impressed for, with Six Flags America. I've been to multiple, and I will say that that park was the cleanest Six Flags I have ever been to. I mean, the flower beds were well kept. There wasn't any trash laying around. That I was impressed for being, that's just not nothing I normally see at a Six Flags park. Maybe me and my dad just went on a bad day. It was, <laughs> I think it was one of the first the first days or first weekends that they they opened it back up to the public. So staffing, I'm sure, was short. Just everybody was just coming back onto the job. So it wasn't like a, a well-oiled machine by, by any means at that point. But hopefully by now, they've started to figure things out under current conditions and requirements. Yeah, I know when David visited Six Flags America, he had nothing but you know great things to say about the park. And that's actually why I visited there, because I had originally heard that the park was kind of quote unquote ghetto-y. And so that's why I was just kind of afraid to go. But then David went and he was like, no, it's a great park. And, you know, I had a wonderful time. And that's, you know, definitely what made me decide to go. Was that the only Six Flags park you've been to then? Um, I visited I visited Kentucky Kingdom, which was once a Six Flags Park. I visited Darien Lake before it was a Six Flags Park just recently. In a few weeks, I think me and my dad will be heading to New Jersey to visit Six Flags Great Adventure for the first time. So I'm excited about that. You going to go ride a devil? I hope that I can ride the Jersey Devil Coaster. I really hope I can. I've never been I'm- on an RMC Raptor before. That was my first one. I made a point of getting there to ride just that because that was the closest single rail coaster that's, you know, near Ohio, obviously, because David, unfortunately, you know, luckily is a little bit closer to one of them being Six Flags Great America. He's got Railblazer in his backyard. And he also got a chance to go to Fiesta, Texas and do Wonder Woman. I had my home park. My home park in Magic Mountain is getting an RMC Raptor single rail. They just started bringing the rail into the park. So we got a golden, we got golden rail. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's not green like everyone thought it was. You know what? You know what? I think the track is gold, but I think the posts are going to be green. It's got to be either they're going to rename it Green Lantern or they're going to call it the Joker because they already got an attraction named Wonder Woman. So I don't see another Wonder Woman coming to the park so i'm curious I'm, i can't wait we're finally going to get a jersey devil style co- single railroad coaster at magic mountain I'll, I'll be at that park every weekend riding that thing and they're really fun by the way mm-hmm. bob sled style train intense speed very smooth i love i would say i love wonder woman over at fiesta texas a little more because the train continues going through the station and you have to get on there really quickly where Railblazer, it stops in the station and it takes time to load and unload the train and then, and then goes. I, I like the fact that Wonder Woman is able to continuously keep going and it keeps the lines moving. And but Jersey I have a, you're Devil. the lucky one. You got to ride the bigger Jersey Devil. So, <laughs> <laughs> And Jersey Devil is the same way. It's got that continuous moving platform too. So I will tell you the write-offs on that thing are stellar. That thing kept going and going i'll tell you you can i had it down to a science when that one train was going up the hill as soon as the train in front of it was at the mid-course brake line as soon as that thing cleared the train over went over the left hill and it went smooth smoothly over so it's like i was definitely at you know timing that sucker and i recommend back seat on it too because the, when you have the pull of the train going through that ride. Yeah, airtime is key. Yeah, airtime is key. And then, of course, you have to go ride Kinda Ka 
And one of my favorite B&M hypers is over there. You got Nitro. I don't think I've actually ever been on a B&M hyper, but I've heard very good things about them. Yeah, the one awesome thing about B&M hypers, they're giga coasters too, is of course that floating airtime that you get on them. With Nitro, it's you go over water and it's got that awesome double helix toward the end. What's really cool is the way that you're tilted on that helix too. You're not just a normal helix. You're tilted to the side. So you kind of have that out of your seat kind of experience. I love those experiences. Yeah. And then of course you get the awesome little bunny hills at the end too. Airtime is probably one of my favorite elements in roller coasters. Well, when it comes to hypers that I've ridden, my most favorite hyper coaster is Mako over at SeaWorld Orlando. That is one of my my number one favorite. But if you guys ever get down to Six Flags over Georgia, uh, Goliath is a really good hyper coaster. It's a B&M just like Mako. And it's got a pretty powerful helix. It grayed me out during that helix. But it was fun. Uh, Colin, have you ridden I-305? Yeah, I actually rode I-305 on my first visit to Kings Dominion. I've ridden it just about every visit that I've taken to the park. I always try to get through the ride. I have a Fast Lane Plus wristband every time I go to the park because I have a season pass there. Love riding it and just blacking out on after the first drop. That's just a great moment. Did you ever get a night? Did you ever did you get a night ride on I-305? No, not yet, because right now the park closes at 8 starting this weekend, so I don't think I'll be able to get a night ride this year, sadly. Oh, but if you guys can, you must get a night ride on I-305. That is the most craziest night ride. I mean, I've ridden a few good night rides. Voyage at Holiday World night ride. That's probably the craziest, but the Beast at Kings Island, that night ride is insane as well. But yeah, the night rides, especially I-305, Man, I love that one. I think you'll get lucky this year because I know that Haunt is going to be coming back to a lot of the Cedar Fair parks. So that means you'll be able to stay at the park later and get some of those night rides. Yeah, I love to do a night ride on just about any of the coasters at the park, especially Twisted Timbers. That one would be great to experience a night ride on. Yeah, I agree with Dave. And my favorite so far is Voyage when we wrote it during Hollywood Nights because it was trimless. And I'll tell you, that thing just hauls. And you can't see where you're going because it's very similar to Beast. It's in the woods. You don't know where you're going at all. And there's no lights back there because it's in the woods. I didn't know that. I've never been to Holiday World. You've got to go, especially during Hollywood Nights. That is the best event as a coaster enthusiast Along with Keys to the Kingdom, by the way, because they usually coincide with each other as being on the same weekend. Usually it's Friday and Saturday is Hollywood Nights, and then the next day, Sunday, is usually Keys to the Kingdom. Actually, I used to live about an hour away from Kentucky Kingdom, so the reason why I attended Keys to the Kingdom last year was because I felt a little bit of nostalgia towards Kentucky Kingdom, because I visited in my early teenage years. When I was like 13, I would go with my dad to the park. We had season passes there, too, at one point, and I just loved the park so much. Colin, um, Iva's told me that you are a great photographer, and... uh 
tell us a little bit about your photography. I'd love to hear about what goes through your mind as a photographer when you're taking your snapshots of all the stuff you do at the theme parks. Well, photography, my photography career basically started with Keys at Kingdom at Kentucky Kingdom. I bought a Nikon D3400 DSLR camera specifically to bring with me to Kentucky with my mom. It wasn't actually my dad who went with me to Kentucky Kingdom. It was actually my mom to Keys to the Kingdom, but it was at Kentucky Kingdom. But I bought the camera specifically for that event. And after I finished the event, I was like, well, what can I do with this camera? And then when I moved to Virginia, I realized I could just take more pictures now that I have all these amusement parks near me. But when I moved to Virginia, there were just about no amusement parks open at the time because it was early 2020, which, as you all know, was about COVID-19 times. So I took pictures of random things around my house first like Sprite cans and random food. It was weird. I was an amateur photographer at the time and I still kind of am an amateur photographer since I'm still learning. Over this past year, I have been upgrading my skills and now I'm able to take some very good pictures of roller coasters, like capturing the action and all the people's faces as they're riding the coasters. It's become very interesting and I want to make this my actual career someday in the future. Very cool. And do you also uh, do a lot of Photoshop programs on your computer when you're working on your photographs? I was curious what uh, software you like to use. I use Adobe Photoshop. Yeah, I use Photoshop too, just to correct some colors from time to time, also to remove specks of dust off of the camera sensor, because that's a problem with DSLR cameras like D3400. But yeah, I use Photoshop. Well, Iva sent me, uh, showed me some photos that you sent in an email and I thought the photos were fantastic. They look really good. I'm always encouraging all young all young enthusiasts. If you have a passion, live your passion and keep keep taking photos. The more like when I started as a YouTuber, I started off it's funny, if you go back, I've been doing it for 5 years. I go back 5 years ago to my very first videos and I started watching them and I was like, I did that? Really? And then I look at how much my video, all the passion and work throughout those years and how much they've improved that I was like, wow. I mean, you can just see the learning curve. You just, you, they just get better and better and better and the quality got better. So I, if you, the, the photos I saw that you've taken so far, I can only imagine what you take 10 years down the road. I think you're going to be a great photographer down the road. So just keep Thank living you. your passion. Thanks. That's very great to hear. I'm very happy that you enjoyed my photography. Well, you've already shared with us, Colin, that your favorite roller coaster is Twisted Timbers. But what's your favorite roller coaster to photograph? I think it is Twisted Timbers as well. <laughs> it has some very where, unique. That's where you ran into us, right? Yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in fact, we were talking, you're like, hold on, I gotta get the shot. And you were like turning around <laughs> and getting the shot as it was going down the, the first Twister. hill. Yeah, yeah, and you're right, Colin. T Twisted Timbers is a very fun coaster to fill, uh, to take snapshots and film because there's so many great elements, so many places. Like when I was there filming Twisted Timbers back in 2019, I literally had to walk through some of the gardens and bushes and stuff just to get some really good shots. Yeah, I just love the fact that it's pretty open. 
to where you can get incredible shots all the way around that coaster. I mean, I think Grizzlies that was the toughest coaster to film. The only way I was able to film that coaster was I had to go up on the, the Eiffel Tower and be able to see it from the top view. So I actually found a pretty neat spot at King's Dominion to take pictures of Twisted Timbers, as well as a little shot of the Grizzly Wind Coaster. It's like an area near the Windseeker Coaster. There's like this little fence that blocks off part of Twisted Timbers from view, but there's a little gap between this fence that I was able to stick my telephoto zoom lens through partially to get some very good pictures. I've posted a picture of one of the shots that I got of Twisted Timbers from that area to my Flickr account. It's a very neat spot. Yeah, I know. Not this past visit to Kane's Dominion, but the last one, which was in 2019 for me, was I actually asked the ride attendant up at the front of the queue line if, hey, can I just go in the empty queue line and just randomly take pictures? And he's like, oh, yeah, just go ahead. So I would go toward the very end of the queue line, right closer to where the truck is, you know, with the little orb and everything. I would just sit where no one else was in line and I would just start taking pictures of it going through like an inversion or going through one of the hills. And those are some of the best pictures I have of Twisted Timbers because it is it's so hard to capture because it's blocked off because of, you know, where the layout is. So with Twisted Timbers being your favorite coaster, Bill, what's your favorite? It's like a- said i don't have the 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 depth of coaster enthusiasts like like you folks do and and anytime i think theme park i I revolt back to my my childhood growing growing up in florida so spent a lot of time not really a lot of time because we've we didn't grow up with very much in in terms of means but we'd go to disney and everything but going back to disney and then uh one of the ones that colin and i always really enjoyed going on together was rock and roller coaster that and i'm an aerosmith nerd it it helps to have the soundtrack that goes along with it so it, it gave me all the elements it's got a great launch it's got a, a soundtrack that I love uh, in a place that, that I enjoy going as a kid and then going with the family, you know, now that I'm much older. But I, I did really enjoy Rock and Roller Coaster. Yeah, the theming of Rock and Roller Coaster is probably one of the best out of all the roller coasters that I've ridden in my life. Disney's amazing with theming, just all in general, definitely. Well, I can't wait to see the new Guardians of the Galaxy roller coaster that they're coming out with at Epcot and Tron is going to be the the highlight of Disney World because it's in Shanghai and one of our producers has had the honor to ride Tron and he says that is his number one Disney ride worldwide and he's written over 400 roller coasters I think right now. Hear him say that's his number one and he's been to every Disney park so I think we're in for a real treat when Tron opens at Magic Kingdom in the I think what next hopefully next year is when it opens. So Florida yeah, as as there's is not too many delays, but I've, I've seen the conceptual artwork and everything on the Tron one that's going to be going into Florida and it does look pretty slick. Yeah. And Florida is really booming tractions and everything. Universal's really taking off. You know, they're building a third park down there in Orlando. Bush Gardens is SeaWorld. You name it. I mean, there's a lot of new coasters, new attractions. Florida's really got a lot of stuff going on. And uh, I th- I'm, I'm very excited to see what the future is going to hold because some of the new coasters coming out, with the manufacturers, there's some pretty good crazy ones coming out that I think are going to be a lot of fun. Now, Colin, with Twist Timbers being your favorite, what is your least favorite coaster that you've ridden? Before I moved to Virginia, I lived in Colorado. 
And my home park in Colorado was Elitch Gardens. And my least favorite coaster is there. It's Twister 2. I hate wooden coasters when they're shaky. And I actually did some research about Twister 2 just a few days ago. I learned it was designed by the guy who actually designed Rattler at Fiesta, Texas. Not the RMC one, that was Alan Schilke. But... The wooden coaster. Have any of you guys actually seen the POV videos of it from the 90s? The Rattler coaster? It looks so dang painful. No, I have never heard. Of, well, I heard of Rattler, you know, before I got RMC'd. But I never knew that they had another coaster by the same manufacturer before so i will have to look that up definitely all right dad what about you what's your i know you're not as big into him but what's your least favorite one to ride now i was on the same one he was just talking about with him and i, w- I was going into traction afterwards so <laughs> yeah I- i'd have to agree with him but like i said I don't, I don't have as big of a repertoire or anything but that one just the the, the jerkiness of it really becomes uncomfortable so one thing that we talk about a lot on this podcast Colin and Bill is facing your fears, standing up to the challenge of facing your fears by, you know, riding roller coasters or dealing with autism. So what advice can you give the listeners that are listening to your episode today? Now, I actually have had a lot of fears over the years. However, there are many ways to overcome all of those challenges and fears and phobias. Everyone's different. We all have things that make us scared, whether that be height, high speeds, inversions, the basic stuff. However, I think exposing ourselves to those fears frequently over time could make them fade away eventually. I'm not saying we can make them go away forever. We're human. Some fears will stay with us for the rest of our lives. It's easy to get rid of the simple fears if we put our minds to it. Bill, do you have anything to add to that? Really, I think a a support structure is probably just as important. Once once he kind of got beyond that phobia, it's been a matter of enabling him to. So for, so for me, my my passion is more outdoors. So the fact that he wants to be outdoors and everything is is where I kind of focus on it. And then without challenging him too much to say, you know, hey, you're scared, let's go do it anyway. It's been more, you can't really rush into it all the time. And that's understandable. Uh, It's just a matter of at the same time, don't don't let somebody's fear get in the way of reminding them, it's like, hey, it's fun. And then kind of wean them into it is probably the the easiest way. And and like I said, once once he hit that point where he realized, hey, this is more fun than it is scary for me now. I mean, that's all it really took. And hopefully people can get to that point just by, you know, slowly getting uh, to where they want. It's natural to have fears. I'm, I'm, I'm in the military. I, I know fear very, very well, but it's, you still have to face them eventually or else you're just going to hide in the dark the whole time. Yeah, well said. And thank you for your service, by the way, sir. Thank you for the support. Now, Colin, obviously we all face challenges every day. What's your next challenge that you're trying to face to overcome? Getting on King Dakar and going up 456 feet into the air. I can't wait. Oh, it's it's better than Top Thrill. I would rather ride King Dakar than Top Thrill Dragster any day. I bet some coaster enthusiasts will be very mad about you saying that because Probably. everyone has... Top Everyone has their own. There's a lot of mixed reviews with Top Thrill Dragster and King Daka. I Top Thrill Dragster is my fastest launch coaster. I haven't been on King Daka yet, so it's good to hear you're going to get to experience that before me. Hopefully next year I can get up to the Northeast. Colin, first of all, I want to thank you so much. 
and Bill, uh, thank you guys for coming on and being guests on our podcast. Colin, where can our listeners be able to find you on your your lovely photography work on social media? Well, I don't really use social media, but I like I mentioned earlier, I do have a Flickr page. It's www.flickr.com slash people slash CWK photography. That's where you can find my Flickr page and the photo stream has just about all the photos I've posted to Flickr. I hope you enjoy my photos because I really enjoy taking them. Yeah, your photos are beautiful. And like I said, the ones that you sent me, I really enjoy, definitely. Well, thank you again, Bill and Colin, so much for being a part of our podcast today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Colin. Thank you, Bill. And thank you, Iva. That was a really inspiring story, Jenna, about his love for photography and how he's the challenges he has gone through and just how theme parks and roller coasters, once again, the theme park therapy that we've all been talking about, it really helps make a difference in people's lives. It's just amazing how even people with disabilities like autism find something that they're passionate about or that they find... um, uh, the roller coaster community has kind of helped them overcome and it blows my mind away because I work with kids that are have disabilities and they all they all have different disabilities but just seeing hearing these stories about these other kids it it makes me kind of think what do my kids go through that I work with at school it's a lot of challenges especially me with my Tourette's any disability is a challenge but those challenges can be met and you know what every person who I know who has a disability, who has autism, who has Tourette's, who has any other disorders out there, ADD, ADHD, I will tell you everyone meets those challenges head on and there's a lot of people out there that struggle. They don't know, they don't have the support system that they need and and it's important to let people know out there, there are people that are just like you and there is a support system out there. If you don't have a support system, I highly recommend you get on Google and you start typing in support groups for whatever disability you have out there or just if you're depressed or alone there are groups and there's people research just just joining the roller coaster community has just been a wonderful experience for me in my life it has made me a much better different person so like i said incredible story today from iva colin and bill but you know what we've got a very this was a good way to really make our christmas uh season very special especially on this christmas eve so but we've got a very exciting episode going up next week so justin how can they find us on social media if you enjoyed today's episode be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And if you want to see more from us, we upload every Friday. And check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all at Coaster Challenge. Links in the description. Thank you, Justin. And just like what Justin said, guys, make sure to follow us. Hit that subscribe button. Make sure to like us on all those social media channels that he has mentioned about us. Hope you enjoyed our episode this week. We've got a very exciting one next week. So until then, this is David Cantu. This is Jenna Gazelle. And we'll see you all next week right here on the coaster challenge and merry christmas to you all and may god bless all of you on this wonderful holiday season happy christmas to